Hello and welcome to another episode of Lumia Live. Uh, a bit of a momentous one. This is our first one we've ever recorded live here in the Chicago office of Lumion. So we've got a bit of a makeshift podcast studio, um, but we're really excited today because I'm joined by Graham Thomas. Um, Graham, I usually go into a bio with all our podcast guests, but yours is long and extensive. Uh, so rather than me butcher that, do you want to maybe tell the audience a little bit about who you are and then we'll get into why you're here and what we're doing today? Sure. Thank you, Mark. Um, let's see. I started as an advisor uh, at Solomon Smith Barney in New York City, uh, 666 Fifth Avenue, 13th floor. So uh, the writing was on the wall as to how that one was going to go. Um, but uh, yeah, I worked for a team uh, that actually ended up dissolving and I always wanted to move to California. Uh, so I had the opportunity then, moved to San Francisco, got into digital marketing, uh, working for a trade publication that is now Think Advisor. I was there for seven years and that time moved back to Chicago. Then eight years at Investment News, running sales in the, mid, in the Midwest. Um, then jumped to a 401k software company called Brightscope. Uh, then worked at uh, uh, Advice IQ, which is now part of uh, discovery data, so selling advisor data, and then fell into starting my own business, worked with a whole slew of different people as a sales consultant, mostly in the digital marketing space, but some startups too, and then um, uh, have been working for wealthmanagement.com as the head of WMIQ, which is their research division, and also working with uh, the Ritholtz Wealth Management guys on some of their podcasts, YouTubes, various marketing things. So. It's just, yeah, we'll stop there. A wild ride. Uh, a really diverse set of skills and a diverse background. And, <laughs> and where you are right now is probably brings us to the crossover event that we're having here, which is um, today we're actually going to flip the script a little bit on, uh, on myself. So I'm a little bit nervous. But uh, effectively, today what we're doing, uh, our Lumion Live audience, is 2022 was a massive year for Lumion. We launched in the U.S., uh, we, we, we nailed a couple um, sort of strategic partnerships, um, customers that we're you know, really excited to be working with that are helping our product develop. Um, and because of that, we've, we've started to see some really good exposure and usage of Lumion. And with that, we've had some really great insights. So we wanted to, to spend the time uh, to kick off season three of Lumion Live, sharing what those insights were from 2022. Uh, insights around our customers and 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 effectively who are your customers or clients and what they were telling you about their well-being, their values, their goals, and then insights and observations from us on what great advisors or great advice firms were doing to implement a, a really strong uh, human-centered, values-based advice practice uh, experience. So we wanted to do that and, uh, and obviously uh, rather than hear me talk by myself for half an hour, uh, which I could do, uh, as you're all uh, probably fundamentally aware. Uh, we've got Graham in here to, to sort of flip the script a little bit, put me in the hot seat, and ask me some questions about those client advisor learnings. So, right. And by the way, I, I did also work uh, at RIA Biz for a long time, six years as a reporter part-time. <laughs> so that's why that's why yeah. there's like any right. modicum of credibility. Yeah. So, uh, so if anyone's that. watching the video recording and see me squirming in my chair, you that's know why. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, learned, I learned from some of the best uh, to put people on the spot. So. <laughs> um. so, so with that, Graham, I might hand over to you. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll move into the guest seat. Uh, in inverted commas, 
You want to uh, switch? Or no? Yeah, yeah, we can physically switch. Yeah, no, don't do that. You'll ruin you'll ruin our little studio setup. <laughs> with, with our intricate design of cameras all around. That's right. <laughs> sit right here. Yeah, don't move. That's don't breathe. <laughs> so I, you know, Mark, it's it's been really interesting. You gave me a demo of Lumiant uh, a couple weeks back. Um, you know, sent me some information, a lot of statistics. I think one of the things that I, I'm most curious about is spark of Lumion? Like, why was it created? And maybe why is it coming from Australia as opposed to homegrown in the United States? What's different in Australia that would cause this, you know, bolt of lightning? Yeah, yeah, no worries. So look, for, for the audience who, who've heard Santi Burridge, our founder, speak before, this will be this will be a story not unknown to you. But, you know, it came out of his desire to to want to do better for clients, right? And at the core of it, that's what we're we're looking to do. Uh, a values based advice experience isn't anything new, and and this is your point, right? In the US, this has been sort of talked about for a while, uh, and we've seen some great firms implement this at scale before, yeah. right? And it is a, a really truly human centric way to to do advice. Um, the funny thing about the Australia-US shift, so as an Australian that now lives over here in the US and, and, and works on both sides of the fence, it's amazing to talk to uh, advisors and business owners on both sides and how we, how we look at each other over the fence. Because if I ask advice owners uh, or advice practice owners in Australia, they say they look to the US for, for experience, insights and, and how businesses are run. But interestingly, as I speak to US, they, they look to Australia for some of those client-centric views. And one, one of the things that um, I think helps answer your question is the regulatory environment and some of the, the pressures we've been through have really, I, I guess, uh, fast-tracked our development in areas of human-centered or values-based or goal-centered advice, not necessarily from the scientific platform or, or, or that entrepreneurial platform that I do see here in the US, but more from the demonstrable advice production way. So let me explain that a little bit more. Um, you, you might have heard in Australia, we've been through a, a royal commission, which uh, it, yeah, for lack of a better term was blood sport um, in a good way uh, in the industry. Um, uh, expand on that. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I call it a blood sport because I just didn't remember at the time I was a regional executive for, for what the Americans would call a wire house. Uh, and you could watch this this lawsuit on uh, on live TV. Okay. Um, what a royal commission is, is when the government, uh, for those of you that don't know, is when the government um, sort of uh, commissions a legal sort of um, inquiry into something, right? And... The inquiry at this point was into the banking and superannuation sector, hmm. um, into mis-selling and mispractice, right? So what it effectively did for our industry is shine a light on all the things that weren't client-centered. Yeah. Uh, the, the short We've had multiple world. versions of that. Right, 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 right. So, you know, we, we know there's good and bad in, in all industries. But as a result of that, what it's forced us to do, and some would argue maybe over overdone it, but yeah, that's a story for another time as well. What it's forced us to do is really demonstrate through our file, our experiences, our processes and practices, how our advice is in the best interest of the client. Now, you know, in America, you call that being a true fiduciary. Um, and and why that, why, while that terminology is sort of held back for certain types of advisors and, and certain types of practitioners, um, 
uh, you know, you can still sort of give advice without being a true fiduciary in mm-hmm. Australia. Whereas in Australia, you can't give advice until you can prove <laughs> that that advice is in the best interest for the client. And there's all sorts of weird and wacky ways that we have to do that. So um, what advice firms have had to do in Australia and why Lumion has sparked over there is it's given them a, a sort of platform, a scalable experience that is not only a great experience for the client because it truly takes into account what's most important to them, it does it in a way that's uh, repeatable, measurable, and builds in that best interest obligation that is so important to our uh, our advice process back home. So do you see potentially, um, obviously, best interests is, is a very familiar term to yeah. a lot of the advisors in this space. Do you see maybe more opportunity coming from that, more best interest being required, more documentation? Obviously, uh, you know, unfortunately in this country, it tends to vacillate between who's in office um, yeah. and, and we tend to, you know, bounce around a little bit. Um, so the consistency of regulation on that space, but, you know, being measurable, being, being scalable, those are things we talk about as far as best interest goes. Are, is it almost a bet that that's going to be a growing area in our market? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think if you're a betting person, I think it's a fair bet, right? <clears throat> because whilst you could argue how heavy that regulation needs to go, mm-hmm. um, and smarter people than I will argue that, um, doing things in the best interest of your client is inarguable, right? The documentation of that and the evidence provided around how you've come to that sort of decision is where the arguments will lie. Mm-hmm. But whatever the arguments or the decisions get made on there, the companies that win will go, right, um, how do I best meet those legal obligations at one end of the spectrum? At the other end of the spectrum, how do I deliver an exceptional client experience for the target market that I'm going after that I provide the most value for? Right. And in, the in, in between those two ends of the spectrum, how do I build a process that helps me do that in the most efficient way that isn't just reliant on me as the principal advisor because I've got multiple other advisors here. I've got a support staff here. I might have a junior advisor in training, whatever that might be, so that everyone in my practice gets to play a role in the experience and stage that really memorable experience for the client, almost you know, something that feels like a, a theatre production to the client. Right? Everyone's playing a role. Uh, I know exactly what's going on. I feel heard. I feel seen. And whilst I'm getting that exceptional client experience from the advisor perspective, everything's being ticked from a box perspective mm-hmm. along the way. So that's a, you know, the, the, from, from one end of the spectrum of providing that great client experience to the other end of the spectrum of documenting it, that span of documentation, that span of process can be quite big, mm-hmm. which is where the scalable comes in, right? Because how do I do that over the amount of clients I need to make a really profitable business as well? Yeah, and it feels like many firms are very good. They have advisors that have high EQ. Maybe, you know, within a branch, there'd be, you know, maybe 10% are really exceptional on that. But how do you, how do you train the other 90%? And how do you make it, again, to your words, a process? Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's fascinating. The, the term that I like to, to lean back on, and, and this might have been a, a shift that would have been happening. Let, let me talk back home in Australia. This, this might have been a shift that might have been happening pre-Royal Commission. In fact, it, it most definitely was, where consumers are more informed 
yeah. it's inarguable. Consumers are more demanding yep. because they've got more information. Yep. So therefore, consumer behavior is changing. <laughs> sure. Do, right? you, do you have the same issue that we do where advisors, is there price compression compared with also um, client expectations? Being like clients are expecting more because that's yeah. where I see a really good opportunity for you. Because, partially. Yeah. yeah, partially. There's price compression. Um, but one of the main main drivers of that is our uh, obligation to produce advice with the right documentation uh, to, to demonstrate our best best interest duties. So therefore, our cost to produce advice is higher and higher, and we pass that on to the client. Right. Right. That's where the compression probably comes from most, less less so the consumer. Yeah. Um, so just to finish the point on the IQVEQ, because that consumer expectation is changing. Um, what we're seeing more is this shift from the advisors used to, in inverted commas, get away with being the, the smartest person or the most intelligent person in the room. Uh-huh. I've got all the answers. I know the best stocks. Right. Um, therefore, buy from me because you won't get anywhere. Now, are you talking about Australia or the United States now? Uh, let's talk Australia. But, okay. but from, from what I'm speaking, from who I'm speaking parallels to here, are, parallels are yeah. very similar, right? Yeah. Um, which is great for, for me trying to work across both countries. <laughs> yeah, to learn. Right. It's convenient. <laughs> it's convenient. So you, they're switching from being the most uh, intelligent person in the room to the most emotionally intelligent person in the room, uh, right? Yeah. Because not only do you not need to know that stuff, it's almost becoming table stakes. Consumers are going, well, obviously you wouldn't be an advisor if you didn't know that yeah. investment stuff. But what, what the role advisors need to play is the emotionally intelligent role. So what I mean by that is you know, what are you speaking about to mm-hmm. whom? Are you just speaking to the financial spouse in the room or are you speaking to the non-financial spouse, as we would call it as well, because everyone gets a voice? Sure. How do you know how far to push? How do you know what questions to ask? How do you know what space to leave in the conversation so that it's awkward enough to get the right response? How do you know when a client is putting on a facade because they're in, a, in the room of an advisor and they assume that the advisor expects them to know something, so they quickly read the, the, the New York Times or the, the, the Fin Review or, or the Wall Street Journal um, so that they, they seem educated, but they're really not. Yeah. How do you know all that stuff so that you can play the power dynamic and play the room to get the most honest human in the room so that you can give them the most tailored and personalised advice? And to do that at scale, in particular, when you've got you know, principals or practice managers that have been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years to the junior advisor that's just coming through is really difficult. Mm-hmm. So how we've thought about that at Lumion is, well, how do you just provide the frameworks and, and around that process with some really simple questions that at least put it on the table for the client to give you some of those answers straight away? So one of the things we, we talked about before we turned the cameras on was like, it, it's not about therapy. And it's and so I think a lot of advisors might sort of think about this as, oh, I don't want to go too far. I don't want to be a therapist. And it's not that. It's really, and it seems like it's putting guardrails up for the conversation, even though there might be tactics that you have learned from other industries that are more EQ-centric. Uh, yeah. Is that fair? That's absolutely fair. One of the traps we, we see advisors falling into in these conversations, and, and probably why some advisors lift the hood on a values-based experience, go, maybe not for me, mm. right, <laughs> is that you've sort of got to be all in, right? Mm. You've got to be ready to be in that awkward, uncomfortable phase where you hear things. But the trap we, we find 
is that advisors love solving problems, yeah. right? And you'll hear some really interesting, complex problems in the couple, if it's a couple or even if it's an individual, as you ask these questions. And the trick is you might not be able to solve all those problems and that's okay because in the power shift here, you might not have all the answers, but there is power in going, you need to find some of those answers elsewhere. I know someone or I don't know someone, whatever that might be, but at least they're out in the open and at least we've got a reality to play with when we didn't have that reality when we started. Yeah. And at the end of the day, financial plan is only as good as the input of the reality. Right. And the honesty. Yeah. And the transparency. Sure. And, uh, it, you know, I can't help but not think a little bit about AI, chat GPT, just because that's, you know, yeah, the three letters of the day. Yeah. Um, and asset management also, just because eventually you have to think AI is going to be better at asset management. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's just another sort of nail in the coffin of the individual doing their own investments um, and pushing more toward that. But what we all know is that AI is not going to be emotionally intelligent. Yeah. At least in the next couple of years. Uh, and so, you know, is that another part that you see as, as solving and, and helping buttress protect an advisor's practice, not just their client's practice? Totally. I mean, if, um, if the advisor is doing the other stuff well, right? Because if, if, right, if, if they're not doing the EQ stuff well, then AI will come in and yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, take over. Right. Um, Adam Holt, uh, shout out for, for, for Asset Map. Um, uh, I saw him speak at, at Shift recently, and he put this really well. AI won't replace the advisor's AI, right? The advisor's intelligence, if the advisor's intelligence is around the context of the client's life. Because let's take chat. Chat GPT, you got to put in the input to get the output you need, right? Right, and what we know through seeing the conversations, in particular through Lumion with a values-based conversation, is life is complex. We don't need to go through a Lumion experience to know that, right? You right. just got to live. Right. Life is complex. That's a whole heap of inputs that you got to put into a system before you get anything close to a contextual response. Right. Right. So how do they know that at 18 I was faced with this decision then at 23 I was faced with this decision and I observed my dad or my mum do these things with their money beforehand and then you know, after I got married my values changed and you know, I now have to think about what my wife thinks about how I spend my money. Like how, how do you put those inputs into that AI? Now there might be a solution in the future and that's okay but it's not here now. Right, <laughs> right. Right. So let's get into it a little yeah. bit as far as, you know, the clients, uh, yeah. you know, you mentioned you had a great year in 2020, 2022. Um, you know, welcome. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, some of the things you share with me was just, you know, client levels up, households up, you know, 7,386 current clients, 4,684 households and 3,822 active clients. Um, that's those are big numbers. And I assume it's the kind of thing that, you know, you're very much looking to improve on, but, you know, how is that over the course? Is that since 21 or when exactly did those, when was yeah, your first so client in the States? Yeah. So that's, um, that's since 21, uh, to, towards the end of, of 2022. So, you know, they are big numbers. You know, I think humbly we would say they're humble numbers, yeah. right? Um, we have, we have larger aspirations for that. That's, that's a drop in the ocean in the amount of clients that can be helped live extraordinary lives. Sure. But 
Um, you know, we've got another, we, we know we've got another 40,000 just on the other set, side of the door of a couple of the big clients we, we, we told you we were working with now, uh, Savant over here in the US, and we've just announced InvestBlue in Australia. So, you know, um, we do this podcast in a year's time, uh, and those two, those two companies have launched, which they're about to this year. Um, we, we have even more data, and, and it's probably less humbling. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, by the yeah, way. No, uh, thank you. Multiple investments from yeah, all over yeah, the yeah. world, right? Yeah. So, and, and specifically within one of the um, modules that you guys have, it's called Your Life. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about that and describe what that is? Yeah. So for those that don't know Lumiant um, too well, uh, and those that do, it's a little refresher, but our Your Life module is... Um, a questionnaire that we can send out or, or advisors can send out prior to their discovery or prior to their progress meetings. And it's a real different take on uh, the pre-meeting questionnaire, right? Traditionally, the pre-meeting questionnaire uh, advisors would, would sort of send out and just be at a stretch, maybe what, what goals or what do you want to achieve? But then the majority of that is tell me how much you have, what are your investable assets? You know, what have I got to play with effectively? Our, our Your Life questionnaire is rooted in one of our beliefs, which is to, to achieve total fulfillment as a client, you, you must have, uh, you know, you must have an idea across how you're fulfilled uh, across the eight dimensions of well-being. So it's uh, it's a theory out of the University of Michigan, so out of some research out of there. But it's to say to live a fulfilled life, you must have balance or you must have progress towards these eight dimensions of well-being. So we ask questions around those. You know, one of them is financial, which is typically what we're you know as financial advisors used to talking about, but there's a whole ton of others, right? Well, there's seven. There's not a whole ton, there's seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they're intellectual, uh, emotional, spiritual, social. So it, it, what it does is just gives the, the client the opportunity to think about their life in totality before they come in and speak to their advisor. Uh-huh. And yeah, I, I can see that being very valuable because even as the advisor is getting to know a client, it's almost a... a, a an interview to work with them. Like they're probably, maybe it's a way for clients to avoid clients that they might not have be the right fit for. Totally. And, um, and, and, and it's nice because it, it's different than when I, whenever, you know, you go and interview with a new financial advisor, it almost feels like you're filling out a mortgage application. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing, you know, it's just a bunch of busy work. Yeah. And so, Actually, getting into something that has a much deeper level, I think, would is an engagement uh, at, at again a whole person. Well, one hundred percent. So the, the way I like to think about it is, um, if it becomes so, say if it is in the prospect path, you know, it gives your client a, a really quick view of who you are as an advisor, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and here is the view I think it is: I care about you as a person, not just about your money. Mm-hmm. The money is important and no doubt we'll get to that. But to do that, to know how that money best needs to serve you, I need to understand what it is that you need to work towards around these eight dimensions. So it automatically gives the the client a different view of, okay, I'm speaking to this guy or this this girl, uh, this advisor about different things. Because what we also know is clients have a preconceived view on what the advisor discussion is about. Yeah, I mentioned earlier the facade that they might put on going, right, I need to speak to this person about my retirement fund or investments because that's what these guys do. Mm-hmm. So they come in solely thinking about that and they're, they're going to prep and, and anchor the conversation that way. But when you give them the opportunity to think laterally about their lives in a, a safe environment that's at home and better yet, 
the survey goes to both spouses in a relationship. So not just the financial spouse fills it out, but the non-financial spouse, right? So both of them get a voice and they fill it out in that comfort of their own home before it comes to the advisor. So that their voice is actually on the table before they get to the meeting. Mm. So gone are the days where the advisor has a preconceived view of client comes in, they're 55. I know we're probably going to be talking about what do we do in the 10 years leading up to retirement. I've got an investment portfolio solution for that. It's, huh, they've come in, they've got these things that they are concerned about around a couple of these dimensions of well-being. So fun fact, the top two areas that people are doing really well in uh, based on all our client stats are social environmental. So that's uh, balance between work and life and, and time spent on activities and uh, uh, living in an environment that they're comfortable with. But the top two areas of improvement they're looking for are in spiritual. So that's living a life aligned to purpose or um, volunteering in, in uh, causes that are important to them and intellectual. So supporting uh, a passion project of themselves or loved ones or education for, th for themselves or loved ones. Just knowing those things, th that conversation's completely changed in, in your first discovery meeting. Sure. I mean, it makes perfect sense because, you know, there's a quote in, uh, in a movie that once that's, uh, Sometimes I do what I have to. Most of the time I do what I have to. You know, sometimes I do what I want to do. Most of the time I do what I have to do. Yeah. And I feel like that's how we all, you know, as, as I have two kids, they're seven and nine. I have my wife. I'm just trying to keep my head above water right now. But you can't forget that because then you look up and suddenly your career is done. Your kids are out of the house if you did a good job. And, <laughs> uh, and so it's, it, you know, keeping an eye on what's, you know, present, near present and future, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. It just changes the conversation, right? I, to, to your point earlier, we're not saying you need to be a therapist. We're not saying you need to be a life coach. Right. What we are saying is if you ask these questions, you might learn something about your client you don't necessarily know. And solutions might look a little bit different. In fact, they might look a whole lot different when you know these things. Right, right. And, and it, 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 you can't not think about retention as far as that goes. And I know you're probably not, you know, around long enough to have hard data around yeah. client retention, but it, we talk a lot about the client experience, you know, sometimes in a software, and I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah. But, you know... It's often the client experience isn't necessarily thought about from an emotional standpoint. No, absolutely. Um, the, just really simply, often the client experience is thought about what is it that I need the client to do, mm. right? We flip that on its head and we go, well, the client experience should be how do we want our client to feel? Mm. And in this instance, right, using the Your Life survey, we want them to feel heard, want them to feel like their voice is on the table, we want them to feel like both of them have a voice, right? Not just the financial spouse who typically dominates the financial advisor conversation, right? And you can create experiences around those things. Once you know that they want to feel heard, empowered, seen, then, right, how do I give them the space to do that? And that's through great conversations, great tools like our Your Life Survey, shameless plug, but <laughs> you, can, you can do those things. That's the difference in the client experience. Right, right. Um, it's great. Um, so moving on a little bit, um, yeah. you know, as far as values, that's another, 
you know, we, we sort of touched on it, but diving in a little bit deeper, um, you know, I assume that the values are of particular value. <laughs> Allow myself to introduce myself. Um, but the uh, getting the spouses in both sides actually, you know, on the same page as far as and maybe even understanding their spouse as well. Huge. Yeah. Huge, right? So the exercise we do, everyone chooses their own values. Then it comes together, household values. There's a ton to unpack there. Uh, probably for a later time. Or yeah. Tune into some other episodes. We've got some great ones there that, that talk about the, the conflict that arises there and the alignment that needs to happen. But once again, it gives both people a voice. What we know about values, and Bill Bacharach says this far better than I ever would, but values guide behavior, behavior drives results, right? Really simple. Um, so at the end of the day, as advisors, the results we want to drive are the achievements of goals. And um, I mean, It'd be countless times <laughs> advisors would set a plan, you come back for your annual review and you go, hey, we should have been doing this, but you haven't, right? Because outside of the advisor's office, life happens, right? They've got, they're making money decisions every day without you. And what we know is those behaviours are driven by their values mm. and their values around money, you might be values around their, their total life. And your job is to understand that, we believe. Yeah. So we give you the tools to, to help you understand that. And, you know, we've learned some really great things about different value sets across different clients. And, and, um, and it's just intriguing to us that when you ask these questions, the stuff that you learn. And the top three values overall, support and protect those I love. I mean, that seems obviously obvious. Yeah. And it's a, but at the same time, you know, the devil's in the details, yeah. right? And getting that out there, then feel confident in my finances, become more active and healthy. Um, you know, with, with the, I can see how support and protect those I love would be relatively, you know, annuities, yeah. you know, investments. There's a lot that, that we sort of handle there. Be confident in, feel confident in my finances. Again, very similar, you know, slightly different, but, you know, um, anxiety, right? Something we all want to manage, but becoming more active and healthy. That's the one that sort of struck out. So what does an advisor do with that? Is that a checkup quarterly where you're like, you on the Peloton? <laughs> it could be. Yeah, 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 it could be. So the, the first thing, and this is a common question we get from yeah, advisors. Right? Sure. So the first thing we would say if an advisor asked me that question is, uh, hang on to your hats, let the client define it first, mm. right? Because we always want to go straight into solution mode, um, which is fine. We'll get That's there. your job. Yeah, right. totally, totally, totally. You'll yeah. get there. No shame on that. That's fine. <laughs> um, but uh, let the client define that. So the, our system gives you the opportunity to do that. It prompts you to go, Help me understand what's important to you about that, right? And what, is that, what does that value mean to you? And what we learn is clients' definitions of that are completely you know, wild, right, because it's their own definition of it. It could be that I want to lose five pounds. It could be I want to be mentally healthy. It could be I want to diet more. I want to, uh, I want to do you know, keto, whatever that might be, uh, not something I've gone down the path of. It could be a whole bunch of things, right? And then... The other thing we've learned is then you then get the choice as an advisor. Some of those are financial goals that you need to attribute money towards. So it might be a gym membership, mm. right? 
if you're getting into cash flow planning, you know, can I give them the permission that spending on the cash flow or spending on, uh, sorry, spending on the gym membership or to your point, buying a Peloton is a great investment of their money mm-hmm. right? as opposed to putting it away in their uh, 401k or, or in their super back home, whatever that might be. So giving them that permission because we know that permission is super valuable to clients. Ah, right? That makes sense, right? Yeah. yeah. Treat me like an adult. That, totally, yeah. totally, totally, totally. Um, but sometimes they're non-financial goals, which is where we, we see advisors spin out, right? Because well, if it's not about attributing money to it, why do I need to give them support? Um, one of our advisors that's on the that's on season one of the podcast um, put it really bluntly and said, that's okay, but you have a choice as an advisor. Do you want to be their coach, their guide that supports them around everything? Or do you want to be that person that just goes, these things you're on your own? And once again, we're not saying you solve it, but you can play a really simple role like an accountability partner. Mm. And by seeking permission to go, hey, if it is you just want to get on the Peloton once a month, hey, I probably want to chat to you once every three. What about then if I just check in and go, hey, are you hitting the Peloton? What if it's as simple as that? Right. It's one extra call or it might be the same call. You're just bringing up the right thing that's aligned to their values. It's a little game changer. Yeah, and it it is a differentiator as well right totally. i i mean i think i think most people would agree that you know the more nudges the more incentives you have to stay healthy and you know stay on track for you know your new year's resolutions yeah for instance by the way it's you know we're recording this on you know uh, April seventh. So uh, most of them, <laughs> most of them, the are open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most of them are bumped by now. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I also liked how you guys break these down in decades. And yeah. I'm not going to read through all of the values. You know, maybe you can uh, superimpose that on this. Uh, we'll we'll but um, you know, there's there's a lot of interesting things in how th- there's a lot of similarities, but between the the decades. Um, you know, obviously support and protect those I love seems to be very consistent. Yeah. Um, ironically, except at the oldest numbers at that point, I guess you just, you know, you, you know, you're done with them. <laughs> well, I, I think to go into the detail of the oldest one, uh, I think that switches from support and protect those I love to number three on the 75 year old. Well, also spend without guilt. Number one, yeah, though, which is great. It's, 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 it's maybe a simple reframe in that stage of life. Right. No, that's good. Also feeling confident in my finances is that third one. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, these are it is interesting to see how these sort of move as far as time goes on. Interesting to say you you reframe it. Is that you know, constant, you know, a consistent thing that you see? I mean, is this? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Well, I mean, the, we'll superimpose the, the data, but um, yeah, we see values cards. Values cards are just the prompt for the discussion. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot gets made of, oh, I want to change the statement there. The, the, the trick actually isn't in the statement. It's in the prompt for the discussion and the discussion that goes afterwards. So people might pick these cards, but then turning it into what does that mean for you which is why I use the the, the, the uh, sentence, it's a helpful reframe, is what actually gets you the, the gold. So wait, sorry to cut you off there, yeah. um, but I don't think we talked about this. Um, somebody, you know, who's coming into this relatively uh, new might not know, are you actually talking about real cards or is this a module on the software? Yeah, so we've got both. Okay. Uh, the most common use case is uh, on the software. 
The yep. reason that uh, is important is that it's yeah. all directly in the, the, the tech. Right. Right. So one, you don't need to then take your notes, give it to your assistant to then pull back in the tech. Right. Um, equally, uh, a lot of digital meetings happen right now. Can't do a physical experience on that. Um, so yeah, most of it happens in the tech. You do it on the screen. People click and drag and do that sort of stuff. So, um, With the advisor or without the advisor? So... Pre, yeah, is it yeah. pre-meeting? Yeah, so you can do it pre-meeting. So uh, you can do the individual selection of your values pre-meeting um, or you can do it the entire experience in the meeting. The, the reason, so if I go down the individual values path, we'll let you go to the point of selecting your individual values mm-hmm. uh, as both spouses in, in the household, in the, the comfort of your own house prior, the, prior to the meeting because you might need five, ten minutes to do that. Mm-hmm. There's 16 statements but we won't let you go by yourself um, into aligning those values or even unpacking those values because that's where we determine to the point we were speaking about before EQ being the skill of the advisor. Mm -hmm. That's where we would determine we've got to hold the experience until the advisor gets in the room because the advisor's strength there is asking the questions and asking enough of the right questions because if a client just did the screens, right, that say, why is that important to you? And that's it, right? They might give you a one-line surface-level response. But great advisors know that it's question two, three, four mm-hmm. that gets the actual response. Mm-hmm. So that's why we hold space for that. And then the whole point of that and getting to these decades is to get to goals, right? Yeah. And which is, is that another module? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so values are largely intangible, uh, our belief, right? They guide behavior, um, but you can't really touch them. Right? Mm. I can't touch, feel confident in my finances. Yeah, right. right. Um, but what we do is we get clients to go, how do you feel out of 10 that let's keep using feel confident in my finances? You're tracking to that right now. And by getting them to quantify it in their mind, so they might say seven out of 10, Yeah. and then following it up with a one simple question, which is what would we need to do to get that to an eight? You start to hear goals. Mm. Uh, oh, okay, for me. Ah, uh, okay. So interesting. Other questions that might not seem associated are the actual answer because you're, yeah, you're always yeah. prompting another, uh, a former answer with, a, with the next question. Interesting. Absolutely. So then you start to hear, okay, to do that tangibly, I would need to do this. Like, great. Well, why don't we list that as a goal? Because we know the most common goal in the industry, yeah, and once again, no shade, would probably be something like retire at age 65 with X amount of dollars per year until I pass away and then pass that on, which is fine. That's a pretty common goal. Yeah. But when you, let's go to the top three values you spoke about, support and prep those I love, feel confident in my finances, become more active and healthy. If you ask those questions that we've just spoken about, you hear really weird and magical and beautiful goals that are in the client's language that are personable and mean something to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to drop another stat, on average, we find 7.6 per household, mm-hmm. which is a whole lot more than just retire at age 65 and gives, gives you a whole lot more value as an advisor, but most importantly, gives a whole lot more clarity to the client because about why? About why? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, what yeah. am I actually doing here? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because life's messy. <laughs> life's complex, man. <laughs> and, and is it almost sometimes for the client to remember? 
Totally. I mean, when was the last time you sat down and mapped mapped out your top five values and, and then set goals aside to them? Never. Right? And then <laughs> visualise them in a platform that you can log back in on and go, oh, that's what I'm doing here. Uh, that was important to me that time. Yeah. I sort of forgot about that. I, I, I sort of said I'd spend money on a Peloton, not going to the pub and uh, watching the game five times a week, <laughs> which is cool too, right? If that's no joke. And, you know, to that end, like I, th- I think we're, you know, maybe delving into this, but, you know, what have you seen so far from your learnings from advisors who are currently yeah. using the platform? Heaps. Heaps, heaps, heaps. So we, we released a document uh, late last year called the 10 Traits of Values-Based Advisors that we see. Um, so there are some common things that we see that we can absolutely go through uh, today. Um, the first thing that we see is they uncover the why. I think that's pretty obvious. We've spoken about that. Yeah. Right? People that use us uncover the why. And what's important to that is they they do that for the reason of they want to connect money to meaning. Mm-hmm. Right? Because to the point we, we spoke about before, values drive behavior, drive results. Right. So if I if I have the meaning behind what I need to do, I'll I'll, I'll have more chance of creating the right behavior and therefore getting the results. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Second one is they empower clients to tell their story. Just by virtue of the three exercises we've spoken about right now, you learn so much about clients and their story. And we know that every good story has a beginning, middle, and end, hence that's a story. And that's important in, in the advice use case because when it comes to money, you need to know their money origins, right? What behaviours did they learn as a child? Right. right? So I still distinctly remember personally, my old man, bless him, um, used to have a jar in his room that all his $2.50 coins, um, so that's Australian language, yeah. <laughs> $2.50 coins would go in and then when that jar was full, I got it. And the reason they were two dollars fifty or two dollars and fifty cent coins was because the pots of beer that he pots. I don't. I don't know if you guys have pots. The small beers that you can get on draft yeah. uh, in America. Pint. Well, it's, it's it's significantly smaller than a pint. Oh, okay. Um, but he would get five dollar note. He would get two dollars fifty change back. Got it. So every beer he drank, he put it in. I mean, Acorn or Ray's, whoever he's now, probably does that for him. But um, so I saw that sort of inherited savings, and that's that's made a lasting impression on me, right? So that's my beginning. My now is I've just moved from Australia to the US and I've got some stuff going on now. That's part of my story. Yeah. And my end or my future is where I want to go. Right? You need to know all those things because my past drives my behavior now. My now drives my reality and my future drives what we need to change that reality to get there, right? So they, they sit in that. To do that, you know, trait number three is they ask great questions. But not only ask great questions, they hold space to allow the answers. Okay, now wait. This, is, this, is, uh, <laughs> this isn't specific to this list of questions, but this is something I've been thinking about since you've been talking. And yeah. it's almost like, is Lumion, the why of Lumion could be helping advisors ask the right questions. But isn't the problem that the, advisors who aren't asking the right questions don't know that they aren't asking the right questions? Well, that's a great question. Yeah, potentially. I mean, you could, you could really get into this and go, is it unconscious unconsciousness or conscious unconsciousness? Right. 
right? Because I know I should be doing more, but I'm not. Yeah, because here's the hard. We all do that. We all do that, right? But here's the hard truth and hard reality of it from you know, a, a tech provider who wants more advice to buy into their solution, right. right? Is that you can get paid by your client without doing this. Right. You could run a really successful business without doing this. But if you're in it for helping your clients live a more fulfilled life, which we know a lot of advisors are, yeah. then we'd argue maybe you're not doing that if you don't know this stuff. Fair. Right? So yep. it goes back to what's most important to you. So, uh, so I'll cut you back, you yeah, know, yeah. but holding the space, it, it almost feels like that is something that a solutions-focused advisor would not know to do. Correct. And even people that want to do values-based advice uh, you know, have to learn that skill because everyone wants to solve the problem, right? But everyone knows that the first answer may not be the problem, like yep. the surface level one. So, um, you know, we, we hear some great questions and, and we've heard them on previous podcast episodes. These great questions could be as simple as, why is that important? That gets you really surface level. We've heard a really great question, a, a really, you know, deep level question that if you're still not getting below the surface level and good, good advisors with great EQ know they're on the surface level. We've heard questions like what happened in your life or the life of someone you care about that's made you feel that way. Mm. That hits me in the feels. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. That, that sure. Makes you go, oh dear. Okay. I don't know. Um, but some of the questions are, you know, are really simple but have scientific meaning behind them. So we heard Dr. Jordan Hutchinson come on our podcast and go, one of his great questions is, tell me something good because it gets clients in a really good flow state of mind. Right. And when they're in a good flow state of mind, they're more likely to open up. Yeah. So sharing good stuff is easier. And then, but then that opens them up to sharing more difficult stuff. 100%. 100%. Open the floodgates. Open the floodgates. So the next trait is um, they allow clients to choose their experience. Yeah. Now that's not a you know um, uh, a choose your own adventure type book. I mean, part of it is that um, yeah, advisors might panic when I say this because they're like, "Oh no, I need, I need a process." Yes, you need a process, but clients choosing their experience is more for us. What we see is um, advisors relinquishing that power to allow clients to participate. Yeah. So clients choosing how much to divulge, how much to, to give. Uh, yeah, correct. Um, so that they can play the role that they want to play in this relationship. Right. You've got to give them that opportunity, which is what we mean by choosing their experience. Yeah. And to that end, the next trait is great advisors that do this master the balance of power. Yeah. Huge. So bringing both sides of the equation in, making sure it's not too balanced. The whole yeah. 90% of widows leave the advisor yeah. because he never spoke to her. So correct. It's There's two aspects to this. There's the balance of power between the financial spouse, who's usually the dominant person in the conversation, and their non-financial spouse. Mm -hmm. right? Because you've got to acknowledge when they're cutting the other one off mm -hmm. uh, or the other one's silent because they don't feel like they've got something to contribute when they do, mm -hmm. right? They clearly do. It's their money too. It's their life too. Yeah. But the other aspect of power is knowing when to relinquish my own as the advisor, right? Right. To go, all right, I want this meeting to end in an hour, but I've got these people crying or fighting about their values. I've got to hang on for the ride here. Yeah. yeah. I've got to sit down shut up and go, okay, 
Let's yeah. let's talk about it. Right. Uh, so important. Again, a, another example of EQ. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So then, that's all well and good. And typically by this point, advisors are going, "Yeah, that's sweet, but when do I get to do the stuff that I'm a specialist at?" Right. So great advisors that do this that we've observed can link the planning outcomes to these conversations. Sure. So you told me X was important to you or you told me Y was important to you. Um, this is why we're going to do this. Right. right? So yeah, the, the fancy term, I, I think Brendan Fraser says this best. Um, it's linking planning to purpose. Sure. And the other thing is, in the end, does the client care about, you know, your glide path or, you know, whether we're using a 60-40 or whether it's, you know, uh, an American fund versus BlackRock. Yeah. Like, I mean, they don't care. Yeah, they just like, if, if clients knew more, more about modern portfolio theory, sure. That's not what we live in. Is it going to happen? I don't know. Um, so then the last few traits we, uh, we, under, uh, we, we sort of see are more from that practice management side. So... Uh, we talk about a good process delivers great results. Mm -hmm. So we speak about a lot about an experience and mm -hmm. I've already spoken about, it's about asking at every step of the way how a client needs to feel, right? Mm -hmm. So then going, okay, to deliver that, what's the process that underpins it? What's the systems and tech that I need? And then how do I do that rinse and repeat? Right. Everyone knows their role to play and they do it. And when you do that, in particular, when you implement a new technology, say Lumion. Yep. Once again, another shameless plug. Yep. Great, uh, great values-based advisors. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know that to do this and implement this, they can't underestimate change. Right. And that's change for their clients mm -hmm. because one, remember, clients might be just assuming that they're here for investments, and now you're blowing up their life and going, "We got a lot of stuff to do because." Yes, life's complex and messy and we do have a lot of stuff to do, mm -hmm. but it's not just them, it's their staff as well. Right. And we've been doing stuff like this for a long way. Right. We're going we're gonna to get, get comfortable being uncomfortable. We're going to go down this process and we're going to write it out yeah. and, and you know, look for great tech that has support to do that for you. Support. Interesting. You know, I would assume that there's quite a bit of that. Within 100%. the platform. Yeah, it has to be. Within the platform, we've got an academy we're just about to launch that helps walk you through all our best practices for that. Our customer success team is built around that. Right? Yeah. Um, so I get the joy of leading our customer success team. They're great. <laughs> um, shout out to them. Um, but one of the things that they do is they help you map your ideal experience because we know that getting you to, to, to implement Lumiant isn't just about knowing the clicks in the portal. In fact, the clicks are largely the easiest bit. It's knowing how do you pre-position, position and post-position each, each interaction. Mm. So pre-position might be an email, might be a phone call, might be just the start of the meeting. Position might be once you're in it, what are the things you're actually saying whilst you're doing the clicking? Yep. And post-position is what do you need to recap for the client for all of this or recap for your staff even so that everything that you've done is actually meaningful and worth it. So, I mean, all that sounds really sort of tricky, right, and could be really intimidating. But what we've observed of the advisors that have implemented this, they need to know their why too, right? And that, that comes up in our last two traits. Yeah. So what they do is the next trait is see the bigger picture. Uh -huh. And that bigger picture might be for their client, their own life, so their own purpose, um, or the industry, 
right? So we've even observed and heard people wanting to do this because they know that it's a different proposition that attracts new talent to the industry and helps retain uh, younger talent and bring them through the industry, right? Right. So it's it's self-serving both from a personal and business standpoint while additionally doing it for the client. Do good by doing good. Yeah. Simple as that. Check all the boxes. Check all that. And then lastly is they know that that's their belief and they stick to it. Right. Because you need to be unwavering on this because it is weird and different. Right. Right. And either you're going to get challenged by it, a peer at a competing firm or a different firm will challenge you and go, why the hell are you doing that? Right. Or your clients might turn up to that first meeting and go, hey, that survey was whack. Right. Why? Well, <laughs> right. Right. It's just a new job. It's a new job. But the great advisors go, I know why I'm doing it and here's why we're doing it too. Mm-hmm. And they can articulate it perfectly and beautifully. Well, you, in anything, you practice, right? 10,000 hours to become an expert 100%. in anything. It's 100%. just a new sport or a Correct. new instrument. Yeah. So we, we share these and, and, and the reason we got you in here today, Graham, to, to quiz me on it is we share these just to create awareness of it. Sure. Right? Because you know, everyone's got clients that are the same clients. They're all people. At the end of the day, people have values, right? People need help. Um, and, you know, advisors are constantly looking for best practice. We might not have it, but we have observed great traits, right? And we wanted to share those great traits with people so that you could go, hey, I'm thinking about this. Uh, yeah, I think I need to sort of be more resolute in that trait. Or, you know what, I could, I could ask better questions, whatever it might be. Or it's that they want to do it and they need help to do it and they, and they need the process, the yep. framework. And absolutely. it's not going to come from a seminar. No. No, absolutely not. It's going to come from rethinking your proposition, rethinking how you want to do advice, getting that to align to your client experience, your process, and the tech and support and systems that go underneath that and just giving it a go and, and doing it really well. Fascinating stuff, man. I think, uh, you know, we're, we're hearing so much more about this in the industry. So, um, you know, congratulations. Thanks, thanks for you. thanks for bringing it over. No worries, man. Thank you for interviewing me. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. I really appreciated your time, Graham, and I uh, hope, hope everyone got a bit of value out of it. My that. pleasure, Mark. Thanks, man. It. Take care.